0: Three episodes remain in Season 1 of Goddessy. For most of the episode today and next week, there will be significant glossing over of information, because that's basically what the myth cycle leaves us with. I will focus on one major story in this episode, a bit of a big deal, and then next week we'll hit the final story and lose plot before getting into a weird final send-off for the Great Oath Keeper. These episodes might be shorter, but... Yeah. Whatever. Let's jump right in. Previously, on Goddessy. Lu's great destiny is fulfilled. The Fomorian threat is destroyed, and the fairies of Tirnanog have accepted the offer made to them to cohabitate Ireland. The tuatha de rule the land of the living, and Lu is their king. Now, Lu must face perhaps the hardest challenge, ruling a people who have no concept of peace and whose sense of revenge runs deep. And no one's sense of revenge runs deeper than Lu's. Welcome to Goddessy. Episode 28, Poison in the Milk. Days became weeks, weeks became years. Lu was in the fifth year of his reign when he decided enough time had passed. Ireland prospered. The herds of cattle grew, and with ample land the tuatha de Danann did not quarrel over herding rights. Crops too grew, and each harvest was more prosperous than the last. The children of Danu were learning how to farm from Brez Mekilathan, last survivor of the Fomorian menace, and he was a good teacher. But his usefulness was coming to a close. For his part, Lu filled his days with the complexities of ruling. Alliances were formed early with the enemy clans. Lu had not one but several wives, most among his clans but some from Britannia. Bui and Buak, two of his wives, were from the clans that had been loyal to Turian in life. Both Ermid and the druid Melna had suggested to him that he needed to make sure those clans did not plan sedition. And they did not. Yet, it was his foreign wife, the British princess Nas, that was the closest to Queen. She bore him his first son, Ibik, of whom Lu was deeply fond. Despite this, he kept busy, distant from his son. With the boy very firmly planted at his mother's side, Lu feared he would remain distant, given her nature. Despite being his queen Nos, was very independent and very British, not following the customs of the tuatha de Danann. This put her at odds with the rest of the court, and made her unpopular, except with her fellow queens and their families. Nonetheless, Lu remained well regarded and had spies in every clan, as well as the ear of the druids. As far as the common souls, and lords, and ladies of the tuatha de were concerned, Lou was the undisputed monarch of Ireland. That did not make his reign any less eventful. Dian Set, grandfather of the king, retired to the south and there perished. Lugh did not mourn him, though his advisors and aunt, Ermed did. The story told among the druids was that the Morrigan had given birth to a child from her final union with the Dagda, and foresaw a terrible fate... From the child with dian set she sought to contain the evil by killing the child yet even then the essence of evil was so strong that disposing of the ashes in the river barrow caused it to boil the fumes were such that dian set grew ill and died or so the story went lou did not seek the counsel of the morgan regarding this now slain child yet closer to his own court was the passions of angus lord of bruneboine lou did not care much for his great uncle who was the image of youth while Lou aged for each passing year, for Angus was deeply arrogant. Yet in a dream, Angus saw a vision of a maiden, and with his living mother and dead father helping him from his place bound to Bruna Boyne, they sought to help their son. The three searched all the girls of Ireland for her. The tale was ongoing, but Lou listened intensely for detail, for passion of the lord of poetry would influence all on the Emerald Isle. When news came in of Bridget, Lou listened intently. He missed his great aunt. She came to see him at Lunessa, the holiday named for him, and that was all. She had several wells across the isle, one at Kildare and one at the Burren near Moher, and others besides where she gave judgment and wisdom to any who sought it. Becoming a Sovereign Queen became her. She did not age, and her wisdom only increased. Lou did not see Anya, head of the Sovereign Queens, though he felt her presence at Tara. Aside from Bridget, he did not seek any of the Sovereign Queens of Ireland. Those days were behind him. Unfortunately for him, the Sovereign Queens had a way of finding him when he least wanted to see them. Samhain was a hallowed time at the end of the harvest season, a time protected by the agreement Lou made with the fairies of nOg. The veil between living and dead was lifted, and Andana she wandered the hills of Ireland. The living stayed indoors, or used their wits to survive the night, leading up to Sawan, and gave thanks to their ancestors, who returned to visit them and give their blessings, or give curses. Luke kept to himself those nights, expecting that Nuwada or the Dagda might find him one night. It was neither. In the fifth year of his reign, three crows appeared in the throne room when he was alone, the fire flickering. They did not change shape, but he knew who they were. The harvest is pleasing, said the first crow. We have learned to sow the land, said the second. We master the soil, said the third. The first chimed back in. He has fulfilled his promise. The second continued. The deal was plain. The third hissed. He serves no purpose. Kill him, son of Kian. Make him suffer, King Lu. Eliminate the last loyal to the Fomorians. Their wings fluttered, and they flew away. If it had been a dream of the Morrigan, Lou was not certain. When he awoke, as the Samhain festivities began, he knew what he had to do. The plan formed. He called to him his craftsmen and brought Melton and his druids to him. This would be a private affair. It was the anniversary of the second battle of Moitura, in between Samhain and the winter solstice, when the herd of cattle came to Brez's shack. Brez lived alone in the north, where his father had reigned. Ilotha's hall had been torn down, and from the remains, Brez had been allowed to build his new home alone. His former queen, Bridget, had placed a gish upon him, that he could not refuse any hospitality offered to him. Few took advantage of this, but Bridget did it knowing that one day it would come into play that day was today. At the knock at the door, Brez answered, wrapped in his blankets with a meager fire. He was still as handsome as ever, yet was rougher than Lou remembered him from his labors, resting from the harvest year. King Lou, you are alone? Lou nodded, holding the spear of us all. I am. May I invite you in, your majesty? No need. Come outside, Brez. I have a problem only you can solve. Brez shut the door to preserve the fire as he stepped outside and looked at the cattle. I have three hundred cows here, taken from all over Ireland. They will not give milk to their master, so I have brought them here to you. Your power is such that cows overflow for you. Can you milk these? Brez looked at the cows and came to the closest, no more than he had stepped near one, that he turned around, smiling innocuously at Lou. These are wooden cows. What joke is this, Lou? Lou did not smile at him. I need you to milk them. You can't be serious. Those udders are rubber. What is this, Lou? Lou continued staring at him, wishing his cloak were warmer. Help us, and your burden will be lifted. I will free you. Brez regarded him carefully, and then removing his blankets, went to get his buckets and a bench. Coming to the first cow, he pulled back his sleeves and began milking the wooden cow. A blast of red liquid came from the inside of the cow, and Brez turned his face away. What is this? Milk. I fear there is blood in them. Brez's look was a glare now. It is milk, but what else is in it? Lou stared back coldly. Blood. Milk them all. Remove the milk and the cows will return to normal. Brez milked each cow until it was empty, filling the bucket ten times over. Three hundred cows took until the sun was on the western horizon, and Brez was exhausted, his muscles straining. He sighed, then spoke to Lou, though he would not meet his eyes. You're still angry with me. You should be. I betrayed our people despite all that they gave me my graces, my lessons of hospitality. I learned more from our people than I ever learned from my father's people. I have tried to atone for that every day since Moitura, Lu. You do know that. What do your druids tell you? About how I endure the insult of our people? How I teach despite the cruelties placed upon me? Rightful vengeance is still vengeance. Lu leaned down and looked at Brez. At last their eyes met, and Lu saw in them sincerity. Do you remember when you beat me? In front of the court? Brez nodded. I was trying to defend what was mine. You had no right to the way you treated our people. Brez nodded. I know. Bridget has placed a gish on you. What else has she done? Has she visited you otherwise? Brez nodded again. She comes yearly at Mortura. Mostly she stares at me. She misses him. I miss him too, Lou. We lost our son. I wish my father had never gotten into his mind, corrupted him. The sweet little boy who loved his parents became a monster under my father. Lou said nothing to this. Last year, she came only for a moment. She told me that she forgave me, and that she would not be coming again. I said I did not deserve the forgiveness she gave, and she agreed. That was her final gift to me. Perhaps it was. Lou was not certain. Bridget did not always make sense to him. She did not have to. She was a sovereign queen. I offer you hospitality, Brez Makalathan. I offer you a cup of milk to drink. Brez froze, realizing he could not resist. After a moment, he rose, went into the house, and came back with a goblet. He dipped it into the last bucket and stopped. What else is in the milk, Lou? I cannot resist, but from king to king I think I deserve to know. There is poison in the milk. It corrupts the milk, makes it red. Drink, Brez. As king, I demand you enjoy my hospitality. He did as he was bade. Above them, ravens circled. Drink as much as you can, Brez. You have worked hard these past five years. Brez had no choice. He continued to drink until the bucket was emptied. Then he drank the next bucket, and the next, and the next, until his skin was as red as the milk and his eyes burned red. Lou, no more. I cannot drink another drop. Drink all of it, Brez. The last few buckets were slow and the moon was rising when Brez sat down on his bench, shaking and belching. It lasted longer than I expected. I thought she would come, burn me, but poison? That I did not expect. Fire would have been quick. I forbade it, as you know, just as the Dagda forbade it before me. No, Brez, for the cruelties placed upon us by your reign, you deserve a slow death. You already feel it, already feel your skin on fire. You are resisting nobly. But you do not need to, Brez, accept your death and let Mananin decide what to do with you. Brez nodded, smiling. Your reign will be long. You will be just, but I ask you, son of Ethniu. Is this just? You are as Fomorian as I am, and with my death, you will be the last Fomorian. Lou nodded. And with your passing, one less soul knows the truth. Brez, shaking, fell from the stool and began frothing at the mouth. Whatever he tried to say it was lost as he slowly stopped shaking and stared into eternity, faded from life. He died alone, of poison as Lou intended. Lou did not see her approach, but did not move once he saw her. Bridget's red hair flowed like a river, and moving intentionally and without shoes upon the frosted earth, came to her husband's body. I told him I would not come again, Lou, and I meant it. He is dead, and so I waited until he had passed. But I will fulfill my promise now. With a touch, Brez's body erupted into flame, burnt to cinders, and flew off into the night. The crows followed the ashes westward, Bridget said no more and turned, leaving. Lou called after her. Did you forgive him, Bridget? Truly? She did not stop. Did you forgive Balor for the death of your mother or Turian for the death of your father? It was answer enough, but she continued as she made for the hill at the horizon. I forgave him because he truly did try to protect Ruidan against the corruption of the Fomorians. It did not excuse his cruelties and he warranted my hatred, but I forgave him. Do you have anyone left to forgive, Lou? Or will you take that spite to tir With that, Bridget left, and it was several years before he saw her again. They never spoke again of Brez, and indeed, no one spoke of Brez, unless it was in songs of cruelty of King Brez of the tuatha de and how he sold his people into bondage. The harvests the next year were bountiful, and Ireland prospered. Lou reigned for 35 more years in peace and prosperity. But in the 40th year of his reign, when Lou was 57 years of age, a storm brewed. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sidney Yeager, who sets fire to the rain and also to bad men. Music by Scott Buckley, who can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Join Goddessy on social media for Mythology Monday, Folklore Thursday, and Weird Wednesday, where we share all sorts of nuggets of fun info and discuss mythology and folklore from around the world. Want to support the show? Check us out on Patreon at The Goddessy Podcast. Links are in the description below. Goddessy releases every Monday. See you next week for the penultimate episode in Lou's story.